Welcome to The Listening Show, a show you can listen to here in the humble seat of a basement stair. Sits two friends who now are roommates. Hey, roommate. You just got home from work. What's it like working for a living? I wouldn't know. It's, uh, it's hot and cold. It feels as if existence itself is... It burns and it freezes. Yeah. And I might be getting a promotion. Wow. I wasn't expecting that jump in the conversation, but I'm glad because I was just going to mellow about, which I probably still will, but now I want to know about this promotion. Yeah, basically, I said I want a promotion again. And And they were like, hey, we have those. Basically. I've I've asked for a lot of those, <laughs> and every time it normally works, it just takes a little time usually. But what I said was we were having this team meeting, and basically I've been doing not an entry-level position because I had to work a long time to get where I'm at, but I'm entry for that department, um, and I've been doing that for a while, and it's really repetitive, but I, I'm, I've been there long enough that I do everything else too. And so they were like, we're going to post another position and that person's going to just do everything. The only problem is we don't know anyone specialized enough to do everything that we do and also willing to do the grunt work or whatever. When did this happen? This was last, um, a few days ago. I want to say Tuesday. Oh, like this couple, Tuesday. Couple days ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then, um, I spoke up and I said, Hey, so I know I'm in charge of like the imaging and all the documentation and stuff. And I've been doing that for three years and, And that's totally a job that nobody wants to do for three years, but it's a great one to get your foot in the door and it'd be a lot easier to post the imaging position than it would be a specialist position or whatever. Why don't you guys just post the imaging position for me and then I can move over to something else. And everybody in there was like, that's such a good idea. You do everything anyway. And everyone seemed even, even my new boss was like really exuberant about the idea because I, I, I actually solved like three problems with that suggestion because they didn't know what they were going to call the new position. They didn't know That's how glad. much to pay. I'm happy for you, but not just because I'm pessimistic, but because I've heard stories about your job. I'm just waiting till fast, fast forward a week and they go, yeah. So we remember mm. how we said it was a good idea. Well, we changed our minds. I'm, Oh, sure. Totally expecting that to happen. I hope it doesn't, but that's where my mind goes. I will say to a large degree, my job has not been, has not given me cause to be pessimistic. There was, there was a period where everything was bad and there was nothing good, but that is not the case anymore (laughs) as the person who made things bad is not there anymore. Nice. Yeah. I mean, not, not, I wouldn't have wished people lost their job, but since they did anyway, I'm also not going to cry about it. I just mean, the workplace situation is nice now. Yeah. Anyway, I was very pleased that that happened a couple of days ago. And then yesterday when we were just doing, we all, we are all, our offices are in the same area. So I saw everyone huddling together and talking and then they called me and said, Zach, I need you to give me itemized summary of the, the duties that we're leaving out. Cause they're trying to build a case to ask for a new person. And so I gave them the itemized listing of the things that we're not doing and that we should be. And then I, and then I said, so what's this for? And she was like, for the imaging position, I'm going to request that and I'm going to promote you. And I was like, I was like, really? What's, is that for sure? And she's like, if we can get this new person approved, I'm promoting you, which is so it's up to the higher ups now. Nice. Oh, 
Yeah. Oh, not going through this. Nah, that's okay. I I could talk about something, but I want to interrupt. Is your story mm-hmm. quite concluded? It's done. Well, if you're watching the show that you can listen at, you would see that we've moved it again. And no, I don't have an again button. This is probably where we're going to be for a while. Um, this is like a very portable, fairly portable studio. It's a table, and we carry the table, so we have to carry it up down the stairs each time out of storage, which will work because we have a nice little spot. You, I think you mentioned last time you've you mentioned I I I came as a roommate. Did you mention how your place is starting to fill up? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're running out of room quickly with the quickliness. So anyhow. I think we're going to end up being here. Mm-hmm. And our other roommate moved in too. Yeah. So there's a lot of things happening. I'm fine here. It's kind of humble, but also like I can't complain. We have a, I have a nice laptop and we have a v- more than adequate. Uh, what would you call this? The Roadcaster Pro is a DAW. A, a DAW? Well, this is actually a, no, it's a, um, it's a physical audio workstation. So it's not digital. I was, was going to say it's an, well, I was going to say something. Audio workstation. workstation. Is, isn't that digital? It is. That's why I would say it's a H. It's a it's HAW. A or it's a physical. hardware audio. Yeah. Hardware audio workstation. A- yeah. <laughs> I don't have it. Hull. I'm going to play that. Ha! From Tom Hanks. Ha! <laughs> um, yeah, hey, here's it- something that we could talk about. I hope I'm not interrupting, but I would be interested in your perspective going from where you live to, to where you live now. Would you actually? Or yeah, I think I think the audience likes that too. It, uh, are you just saying it because you like me? I like you, and I think the audience would they they don't know what it's like to be a rich YouTuber who's a spoiled <laughs> asshole brat. What so, do you know about it? Yeah, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it'd be an interesting okay to hear what it's like going from your house to here. Well, I already kind of know, but. Sure. Okay. Something for you to rant well, about. Well, I've want. lived in a house for about a year and a half. I joke because as it happens, not because I choose it necessarily, I tend to move every year and a half. So I've moved a lot. And I've had some cool places, but the place I was just at most recently was the biggest because it's a house. So it's two story, probably four to 5,000 square feet. Not, to, not, well, I don't think it counts the garage. It's, big it's awesome more than i need but awesome um anyhow i've had a fantasy about downsizing for a while and the circumstances finally allowed to where hey i can justify moving now or doing downsizing now uh living more responsibly slash forcing myself physically to get closer to the listening show move in with Zach. <laughs> I, I kind of remove an obstacle of oh we have to drive it used to be driving an hour to get to the studio then it was you driving 20 minutes i, I was already there and now neither of us have to go anywhere <laughs> we're like forcing ourselves anyhow circumstances allow for me to finally fill, fulfill the fantasy and the fantasy is another topic i'll jump back to if you ask but it's strange going from a house to a room it's maybe 300 square feet, maybe. I'm going to say 250, but I've lived in rooms before, whatever. It's just a big jump. It's like a tenth of the space. And yet I'm like, eh, I haven't even noticed or missed or cared that the I'm not living in a house, hmm. which is just bizarre, I think. But I just, I literally don't care. I was, I always tell people, I feel like I move 
in or out when the pictures go up or down. When the picture's on the wall, I'm like, ah, it's home. It's a very strange little arbitrary feeling, but it kind of applies to everything else. I have my bed and my Xbox and my laptop in my room. And I'm, I'm good. Like, I, mm. <laughs> there's, a, there's a meme. I'm sure you've seen it. It's in some kind of apartment overlooking the beach. doesn't really matter where it is, but it's an empty tan apartment with one collapsible chair in the middle of the room facing a TV on the floor. And the caption is, girls hate that guys can live like this and be happy. Mm-hmm. Something like that. And it's like, yeah, if <laughs> we don't need much. Anyway, mm-hmm. I went on with that a little bit longer than I had intended to, but that's about it. Uh, go back to what you said you could go back to if I asked about it, because I don't remember what it was. I gave you a bookmark to go back to me fantasizing about downsizing. Yeah, yeah. There's two things to that. <clears throat> I'm kind of fascinated with small homes and mobile homes and things. I think they're cool. And on top of that, I know I can live with less because I've had less. I've, I lived in half a bedroom underneath my bed, is why I tell people, because I had an elevated bunk. I had my desk underneath, and that was basically it. And that was enough. So anyhow, I know I don't need a lot, but the issue I had was, well, I have a lot, so why get rid of it? I should enjoy what I have, and I have enjoyed what I have. So I don't think I was wrong for doing that, but I was in the back of my mind. You know, I could have less and be fine, but couldn't reconcile. And go, oh, I'll get rid of my stuff. So that was one half. The other half is that I don't know that this is true, But I tend to think that part of the reason for my success and happiness in the past was because I lived in a small space. Now, this is probably just correlation, not causation. But when I started my YouTube channel, I lived underneath the bed. And then I was a roommate. And then I got a place of my own, which was a 500-square-foot studio apartment, which was the biggest place I had lived in at the time. And, oh, my gosh, it was literally the happiest time of my life, that first well, that, that year, I guess, year and a half in that little studio. Oh, my gosh. Anyhow, so I tend to believe, whether it's true or not, that my, I want to say work ethic, motivation, happiness, comes from living in a small space that's efficient. Mm-hmm. Now, that's probably not true. Uh, again, all I have is correlation. Like, if you were to look at where I was living versus how I was doing, oh, the small place, you're doing good. Well, maybe it has nothing to do with it. So, again... Tying back into number one, what if I'd be happier in a small place? But why would I move into a smaller place when I have so much? Mm-hmm. There's no reason to give this up. So now we're going to find out. The experiment's going to finally probably hopefully come full circle. It's like the quote, drive comes from lack. It's, I, there's I, a lot of phrases like that, but that's the one that first came to mind. It's, I totally understand it. I don't know that phrase, but I was. I should have mentioned this if I didn't mention the last show. I think... The issue with me not being as productive in a bigger space is because I'm too comfortable. Mm-hmm. I have everything I need. Why do anything? It's kind of that that feeling. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's true, but I tend to believe that. But I do believe I was too comfortable. But I don't know. Maybe that won't follow through. I'm in a, I'm in a bedroom now and I'm comfortable. So <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, that's that's. I'm glad that you're comfortable at least. Opa, yeah. As the as a as the person whose house this was, like by myself. You know, it feels good that you're cozy and that you don't feel all that different that you did when you had a nice big house that everybody liked. Like, I like that house. You know, ideally, you get to keep cool, nice, big things, but, you know, things, whatever. Yeah, it's weird with, I'm I'm expanding a bit on the idea. 
things and money for me is just eh, mm. which is a good attitude sometimes isn't a bad attitude other times. So that can be a bad attitude with money. I don't care about holding on to it and saving up. I'm not frugal. I mm. probably should be. I'm like, whatever. Can I so, bounce off of that? Yeah, go ahead. There's this, my, I remember my mom used to tell me, and I'm sure your parents said similar things or you've heard similar things, but they would say how you spend your money when you have none is the same way you'll spend it when you have some. That sounds like something else. What does it sound like to you? Well, a fool and his money are soon parted or um, however a poor man uses yeah. his money is exactly how he'll use it if he's rich. So if a poor guy just uses, spends everything he has, he, if he owns a lot, he's just going to spend everything he has. Yeah. Whatever. It doesn't matter how much you have. You're, the way you behave is the same. I don't know yeah. if that makes sense. Or well, not. that I just, this was just an observation about you, but it was cool watching you when you got like, when you got money that, that you, you literally didn't change and <laughs> in a good ways and bad ways. But I remember when you, when we worked at Panera and stuff, like, I don't know if it was your first or second paycheck, but you called me to your house and you were like, Hey, come here. I got to show you something. And you, you were like, check this out. And you pulled out a samurai sword. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how much was that? He was like, like 200 bucks. I don't remember how much it was, but it was, you were, I think you said 200 bucks. I was like, that's like, you know, Panera part time, you know, or whatever we, you know, we were working. I was thinking, that's a lot of your paycheck. You're like, I know, it's cool though, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny that you would buy toys with your money back then. And then when you got some money, you get to put on Instagram your cool toys that you have now, like your Jeep. And it's toys. That's what you call it. And that's what it is. It's like that's what you still buy with it's, your money. It's just stuff. I'm jumping backwards a bit. Yeah, that's funny. I, <laughs> yeah. don't, I don't remember that ex- specifically, but I would not doubt that I'd do something like that. Hey, <laughs> yeah. Look at this. <laughs> look what I bought. I spent my whole paycheck on this. You said something along those lines. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's a lot. Of, yeah. Anyway. It's just stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, does, I don't care. It doesn't matter. So you may as well enjoy it if you can. I don't mm-hmm. know. It, so if... And I'm not saying this is right. This is just generally how I think. Money is stuff. Stuff is stuff. May as well buy something and enjoy it. And if you don't have stuff or money, whatever. I'm, what good is money sitting around if you don't buy something with it? Which, again, isn't like, excuse me, correct. But that's typically how I think of it. Mm-hmm. Like it's just stuff. You may as well enjoy your stuff rather than letting stuff, money, sit somewhere. Yeah. Generally, I'm like that. I want to do. Let's do the. I'm. I'm tend to think the same way. Let's do devil's advocate on that opinion of money and stuff. Let's pretend money has like moral value. I don't know, just for fun. Because, like for instance, you know, you hear like the wise old people be like, if you save your money, then you can be a good steward and you can like help other people or whatever. And you know, I tend to understand that sentiment and like I get, I get it, and it makes sense to me. But on the same end, it makes equal sense that money is just stuff and stuff. You like you either have things or you have money or you have none of those. And if you have one of those, then you have both. And if they're if they're the same thing and if the point of them is to enjoy it, then I I don't see why not just spend it. Um, I don't know, though, there there obviously is some merit to the idea that, like, you know, money should be saved and used like like you're a steward of it. I think like you, I see more i see both sides yeah 
I just don't know how I'm supposed to practically apply that and still have I'm fun. sure there's a very good middle ground. Yeah. I don't think I exercise it. I do know people who are very frugal, and I think it's commendable. I'm like, awesome, good for you. But I don't want to do that. Mm. And I also can't, you know, I can't say you shouldn't do I would never tell someone what to do. I don't even think they're wrong for doing it personally. It's just mm-hmm. not my style. I'd I take it a step I further. It, I don't know if I see as much as a, a right or wrong. Yeah. But sorry, what's your step further? Well, like anything, I mean, I've seen, I've seen people who are really good with money that I really admire because they, they, they save and, and they spend some and whatever. But I've also seen, you know, the same as with people who, who spend a lot of their money early. If there's some people that I know that, only save their money and they never spend it and it's like what good is that doing it's not you're not doing any good with that you're just hoarding yeah but at the same time you can appreciate it right like no i mean i'm saying there's a there's a point where you do you save too much like you said there's probably a happy medium somewhere along the way mm -hmm. the you know that quote that i say my dad used to say all the time um everything in moderation including moderation Mm -hmm. so it's like well i mean it's that it's like you if you're moderately frugal that's going to be a lot better than not frugal at all but if you're too frugal then you just never have so i don't know i don't know there's this guy who somehow after having a business doesn't matter how when he retired he had oh at least a million dollars oh it was millions but he's just a humble guy more or less he had like a million dollars saved and he was happy with what he had which is just a small house on the side of the street, like really small, really humble. So he just started giving it away to, to friends and neighbors and helping people out, which sounds badass. Like, that's awesome. I wish I could do that. And then I, in the context of this conversation, I was thinking, well, assuming that he saved it only because he was frugal, not because he didn't need to spend it. Like, he, judging by how he lived, he obviously could have spent it and lived more comfortably mm-hmm. if that's what he wanted. Again, I'm put in the middle where... I wish I could be him and be old and just give money away. But also, like, why didn't you just use it all all, all these years? It's, what a waste. Like, mm-hmm. is it a waste, though, if you get to use it to do good, kind of like in the situation that you put forward earlier? It's like, what if good is, sorry, what if money is moral points or something and you can spend those to help people later? Mm-hmm. So I don't see a right or wrong. It's just yeah. two different ways of going about it. Yeah. That's def- cool, though. The right, it's probably on a, whatever they call the diagram, the, the flow chart, or I think they call it a flow chart, but there's probably a peak in the center, like everything, where if you you save some and you spend some, then it's probably, you're in an optimal position. It obviously depends on the scenario, too. Because, like, people like me, like, let's talk about tithes, for example. So, like, the idea of a tithe is that you give a portion of your money to the church, and maybe in a more... Um, existential manner you're giving it to a higher cause if that makes sense you know it's you're taking some of your hard earnings and you're sacrificing it to the the ether i don't know as a but, sorry go ahead. but as but uh, but but there's a reason for it and i don't understand like it's it's get it's contributing to the world right and i'm trying talking really generally and i don't i don't know if i'm going anywhere in particular with this but all that to all that to point to if I was trying to apply that principle in my life, I don't know what a higher cause really is because I don't believe in churches right now. So like I don't know like if I was to give part of my money that I worked for, which 
I think most people would acknowledge that's a good thing to, to donate money or, or your time and things like that. But, but if you don't know what is the most worthy cause or what is a worthy cause and what's just fluff, you know, there's like just so much fluff with like, like charities and stuff. And you don't know how much of this money is actually going to the kids in Africa and how much of it is going to the people who fly the planes to go to see the kids in Africa and so they can have dinner. I don't, I don't know. It's not, that's not that that's a bad thing. I just, it's just, just like a fine line in from between I don't, corporate corporatizing things and actually making a difference. I'll give my opinion on tithes. So firstly, as a kid, I lit, I literally thought I, re- I asked myself, we're giving this money to God. God needs money. How does he get the money? Who gives him the money? Who meets God? <laughs> yeah. What's that like? Can I be okay, the guy? Yeah. This is, no one can meet God. That's not allowed. So this is what happens as a kid. It's all in my head. It's like an empty, uh, what's not, what's not cathedral. What's the main space in a church called? Um, the freaking auditorium. Sure. Whatever. He, Auditorium dark. There's a spotlight in the center on a pe- on a pedestal with a bowl. And one usher is allowed in, and he puts it on there, and he has to leave the door closes, and then the money ascends out of the bowl and it goes up. <laughs> That's why I thought it happened. I was like, I was like, but God doesn't need money, but I guess He wants us to to sac- to give. You know, yeah. like it's like the sacrifice in the Bible. Like, he doesn't need you to kill a bowl. It's what mm. it means, not what it is. I yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, so here's my money. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, I want to sneak in that room, though, and watch it float. Yeah. <laughs> but then God yeah. would get mad. Anyway, that was a big deal. <laughs> God will get mad. Yeah. I've totally had thoughts open the like door. that. It's going up, open the door. Yeah, the, <laughs> the money goes back <laughs> down and, like, looks at you. <laughs> Stupid. I like the idea of money hitting the ground looking at you. Like, you're not allowed to see this. Um, anyway, so I believe it was the Bible, the Bible that says if if everyone in the church tithe, the church would never be in need. And a tithe generally, I don't know where this comes from. I think it's the Bible is 10% of what you make, mm-hmm. which as a kid, I was like, that's a good amount, but not a lot as an adult. It's more like, Whoa, that's a lot. <laughs> anyway, right. But then I thought, you know, if everyone in the church did give a 10th, yeah, the church is probably going to be absolutely fine. That's a lot of money. 10% between a thousand people is like a hundred per, whatever. It's a lot of money. It's a lot. Anyhow, so if tithing, if the purpose of it is to fund the church, then yeah, that makes sense. If, you're, if your community is immediate and it's just that building essentially, yeah, tithing would be a totally adequate system. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as the moral part of it, yeah, if you think about tithing as a charity, then it gets more to, well, then where do I give my money to if I want to help people? Why would I give it to a charity when I don't know how the money is being spent? You could say the same thing about your church is I don't know how they're spending it. Mm-hmm. You may say, I like my church, but I would rather give money to this specific cause. Okay. So I think my thoughts about it stopped there. I don't think my, I, the, the whole tithing to a church too, like how much, like so many churches these days, this is why, why I have a problem with it. Or I use the word corporatize. I think I'll stick with it. It's just like you walk in and there's graphic designers who like, make like all these logos and stuff and, and everything's pretty and handsome. And then there's like all the nice new furniture and the floors look great. And, th- and it's like, this, it. this all was just like people's sacrifice so that they could make a church like secure and they could help. And it's all just going to bolster this building. I got a couple things and, to or, say. you know, it's uh, you, you can get, there's several problems that you could have with it. If you want it to go to a good cause, Your immediate problem is you walk in, you say, if I'm giving money to this church. Well, clearly 
some of it's going to the stuff that they do not need. Yeah. As opposed to I could Matching be getting all my money to like for a fact yeah. I know that my money is going toward the, the church's coffee shop and not just kids or something. And that can be Don't get me wrong. I mean to a certain extent that's that's all good. Right. But and it's hard to whatever, it's whatever. hard to differentiate when it's just grandiose and, and you're puffing yourself up and and selling brand instead of God. So now I'm gonna jump to the other job. the other thing, which is what you're talking about the corporatism of churches. I don't know if that's the word I used, but it's a good word. We were just before years ago discussing our what's the word problems with I might say commercialism, commercial commercial behavior of churches. I don't know what the right word is. Corporatism is a good word, but it's more than that. Corporatism is, I don't know. Maybe we'll land on it. It's not important. So when I walked into a church for the first time that had a bookstore and a coffee shop and a lounge and uh, uh, not a gift shop, but like stuff to sell, I was like, what is going on? At first I was like, this is legit what God or Jesus did when he walked into the temple and they were selling stuff. When they flip tables, is like GTFO. Mm-hmm. I was like, this can't be a real church. This can't be happening. Now, maybe I'm just being, what's the word, opposite of sacrilegious, religiously radical, what's the word? I'm I mean, maybe like being too or Maybe I'm being know. too harsh. But that was my first thought. And to a degree, I still hold that that's unnecessary and doesn't belong in a church. Mm-hmm. Now, then you could argue me down and say, well, then what should a church be? And I go, well, maybe in my naive mind, it's literally just... What do, we, what do we call that again? The cathedral? The auditorium? auditorium? It's just a stage and pews. And maybe a small room in the back with nothing yet where people can meet in and out. That's it. That's what a church is to me. Really? And, well, yeah. But again, maybe I'm being naive. And like you were saying, there is a place and a use for, well, exp- expanding on what you were talking about. There is a use for a coffee shop. You can, <laughs> God can work anywhere. He can work in a coffee shop that you built. You can invite a friend to church, invite him to coffee at your church, and he can meet God that way. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we can argue back and forth about what money needs to be spent to spread the kingdom. Yeah. But for me, a coffee shop and a church is too far. Now, maybe I'm mm-hmm. wrong about that. They're <laughs> it's a nice luxury. I totally, like if I was that in charge of a church, if I could have a coffee shop because we just have so much money, that's awesome. Uh, I don't know. I, it's I guess hard. I guess we'd have to define church a little better because I I think it's easy to well I get the sense well what you said about churches at the pews and an auditorium and a pastor stands up and there's a worship service and I think that's what everybody thinks when they think church but I think if you stripped it down to its bare bones of what what is the intent of church you'd come to a very different answer than auditorium with chairs and a pastor sure I think like. Like I heard stories about how my parents witnessed and did church overseas when they went to Nepal and India and stuff, for example. And they just sound, it's so different. You know, maybe it's because it's largely underground and it has to be because of the oppression of that, of the Christians there. But, but I just, there was something so like raw and real and not at all like this uniform structure that church is here and, it's like people took church and they milked the nutrients out of it and they left this like stale, crunchy starch. And it and it and it's you can eat it and sometimes you can flavor it with coffee shops and, and matching t shirts and, and graphic designers and it'll it'll taste like 
synthetic food. It'll be like, wow, this is food. This is church food. You know, it's church. But then you actually like look at a like a raw, thick cooked meat and you eat that and it's like, oh, this is what this was supposed to be. And it's not close. I don't get your analogy, but maybe this is the same. If church is meat and church today is a big burger with lots of condiments and, and things on it that kind of dilute the meat and you forget that the burger, the point of it was the patty. Mm-hmm. But it started with, anyway, mm-hmm. does that make sense? That's the fluff? Yeah, kind of. You can yeah. kind of taste church in a burger, but in, it feels like one church. day you go, well, this is real meat. Yeah. This, that's exactly my. Okay. That's a good like a churches. Churches in America, at least, are like McDonald's cheeseburgers, and then you go eat a steak. Like that's that's the juxtaposition. Like from my understanding, like here's another example. Just my this is all personal, uh, like experience stuff. But I've felt more in touch with like, like Christians in a community in a in a small group of people than I ever did in a church sure. building. Like sure. when, like I've had, I'm sure I've had conversations with you where it just felt intimate and it felt like God was there or, you know, like with a small group of people or when we were singing worship songs or something. And I was like, this is way better than, than sitting down and having someone tell me, you know, part three of a lesson plan about a story I've read in the Bible a thousand times, just trying to milk tiny nougats of something applicable out of say, it. If I'm not interrupting, I'm no, just go ahead. mentioning because I'm going to forget them. So what I think church is, is because you mentioned the oppression of Christians in those countries your parents were at. And I was thinking about the pilgrim, pilgrims before they left to America. They had to meet in secret in barns usually and underground. Now that was obviously church. And the church is the body of Christ, I think. And the body of Christ is the members of the church, the people. The people are the church, essentially. So when they get together to worship God, that's church. You can have church outside in the field with nothing there but people. That's church. I'll allow it. Now say go to church. Maybe a bit of a stretch, but sure. Sure, I'll I'll call it church. Anyhow, so the second thing was you said it felt more real or, or honest might be the right word. Authentic when you have mm-hmm. a smaller group of people, which I think everybody can understand that idea. And that kind of connects to my thinking about downsizing and being com- and mm. being too comfortable. Nice tie-in. <laughs> so, yes, I obviously agree that when you're in a smaller group of people, like I'm thinking about the kids groups we were at with, and I mean to go do missions or not, backyard Bible club. And do oh, yeah, like I remember that. that. So that's a good experience, which felt way more genuine than the large corporate church which I could, we can go back to if you want. But when you, yeah, when you can get too big, you can get too comfortable, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know what or where that is, but for me, when it comes to churches, if I see a coffee shop in the church, I'm like, this is too too comfortable. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. That's just my personal opinion. I, I have, I want to give, uh, just because I like looking at everything from whatever side, I want to give the, not the argument, but the justification for the corporate church that I've heard. My ex- she was very into the corporate church. She went to like a, a chain that they had many branches and <laughs> a chain, literally McDonald's of churches. <laughs> I, that is not an exaggeration. No, it was I, one of those. I totally agree. <laughs> and like the pastor, they, they would gather in this building. That was a very nice, rich building. Oh my gosh. The music church. They have happy meals. Basically. No, they do. They give out kids little, uh, coloring books and things to do during service. Mm hmm. And they have a play place at yeah. church too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do outside. They have a, a play set. Wow. Anyway, continue. 
uh, like the the pastor showed up on a video screen and and the the music was produced to hell and back oh, and it was too loud. Grief, dude. You know stuff stuff like and I. I sat there. I was a very not pleased to be there, and she knew that. <laughs> I felt like it was like I understood. I understood it, and I understood why people liked it. It was entertaining for sure. <laughs> so when I had this long talk with her at later, and it was, it didn't really get to an argument. She was just, she was really good at listening about what I felt about it, and because I, I'd explained I don't like churches, and I, this is the reason basically. And she said something that stuck with me, and it still sticks with me because she said, "Well." The way that our church sees it is we don't see the church as this building that we go to on Sundays. We we use the goal of this building to pull people in and entertain them and get them interested. And then the small groups are where real church is. And I was like, okay, I can see I can see that. I think there's some utility to that idea where you have to appeal to, you know, the people who don't know anything about church and they just want to be entertained. And they're like, Hey, what? I wonder what's, this'll be fun for a day. And they go in there and then they realize, wow, this is really quality stuff. And they've got a coffee shop and it's, you know, like that, like people in America would, you see quality and you're like, I'm attracted. I'm thinking about people with short attention spans who are constantly bombarded with entertainment. How do you compete with that as an industry? Remember Mm -hmm. that's the right word. Is McDonald's Mm -hmm. an industry? Because whatever McDonald's is, is the word I want to, Equate franchises. I don't know because you said corporatism, and there's a corporate for McDonald's. But I'm thinking about commercial like products that and mm-hmm. factories. That's what I'm thinking about mass production. Mm. So I don't know what the word for that is, but I think it's a franchise, <clears throat> like where you can pro- you can pop up a new friend like you you have this franchise and you just buy into it different places until there's hundreds of these Maybe. that all buy into it. Maybe. Just don't. Well, I'm getting caught up in terms. It's not very important. Yeah, I know what you mean. Okay, yeah. So anyway, I understand there is oh a conversation to be had. There's a reason for needing to be so large and grandiose as a franchise. You gotta make sure you have good products to sell, otherwise you're not gonna get new customers. Mm -hmm. I get that. I get it. But my question again is how much? Mm -hmm. And I'm not one to say it's like the coffee shop I think is too far, but I know why you're doing it. Yeah. I know why you have high production videos in your church and merchandise. And it's just, but you know, I can't help but feel the strong sense of heathenism. Is that the right word? I get it. Mm -hmm. It just feels like it tarnishes a good thing, but, but I can't really with that opinion, I can't reconcile the, the utility that she was telling me when she explained it that way. I was like, Hey, I, you're totally right. If for the person who has no care of what Jesus is or any of the Christian stuff, um, like I could, they just wouldn't care about small group and stuff like that. They would just think that this is, this is, I don't feel the emotional tie to these people. I don't have, this isn't entertaining. It becomes entertaining when you know the people and it's like, it's intimate and all that, but yeah, but no, I, I don't, I don't know. I want to go on a bit of a rant about church and entertainment and I've got one point that I'll say before I move off of that. And it is that one argument against that, that idea is, well, if you build it, they will come. And if it's quality, then they'll recognize that. And then they'll stay uh, is it's not really your job to, to erect a, the, the light in the sky, you're supposed to go out and get people like you're supposed yeah. to go out. You're That's your job. Light. You're supposed to be the light in the world. Not, right. not, not, not build, build the not, light, not build a Babel. 
Yeah. I don't know. I, the, so that would be the argument against the French. I think that's probably ultimately why I don't like, like it. Again, we both know why they do it, but we just don't think it's the right. It's lazy. Yeah. It's just, it's, 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 I don't know. Self, lazy is self-aggrandizing. Yeah. Lazy is a good word. Maybe, I'd love to hear. Bit, maybe a bit selfish is the right yeah, word. Yeah, maybe if someone has a dissenting opinion, they can, they they can justify like why the the that's a good thing. I'd love. I really would love to hear that because because I'm having a hard time with churches in general because of that very thing. And I'd like to not have a hard time with churches. I'd like to go back sometime soon. I'll skip the entertainment part and go to the one example of franchise, whatever that, that annoys me the most about church. So coffee shops, as an example, were one sign of just a strong, oh, what's the word? Disconnection, is that the one? I, I hate getting stuck up on words, but they're important to me. Anyway, yeah. another example of something that church, church a church did was every service every week as part of their program, because they're an entertainment industry basically, I think they like the church focuses too, focuses too much on entertainment and quotas, like a franchise, and it bugs me. So the so the entertainment part we talked about the quota part. So and then what's the word advertising? But like more than advertising, I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah, I think you know. So part of the service is the pastor calls out into the auditorium of hundreds of people and says, "If someone wants to be saved, come up here on stage." And this is a program that happens every week like a show mm-hmm. and then they get people to come up and then they, they applaud these people for showing up. So we're essentially giving them treats or treating them like dogs, positive reinforcement because you walked up on here, you're going to be saved and that's all it takes. And this is so easy. And then they have them in a the line. They hand them each a Bible. They turn them all to the right. These people that have volunteered and they all walk off stage through one door. I'm like, that's like an assembly line. Mm-hmm. There was nothing genuine in there at all. This is just heartless Christian mass factory. production. That's how I feel about it. I know I'm, I know I'm especially cynical about stuff, but I see that. I just go, like, that's awful. Those yeah. people, do you think God did that? No, yeah. the church freaking put on a show for these people. Everybody mm-hmm. in the auditorium praised themselves and uh, try to sell a product, the product of God that mm-hmm. they're making and selling. It just pisses me off yeah so that's how i see it i think i know why i have a problem with that maybe you'll maybe this is what you're trying to say but like i think another example of things that we wouldn't like is like when they when the pastor goes we we did this outreach at such and such place and we (laughs) four people were saved and everyone claps and it's like i i i can't help but sit there and think do you think god (laughs) applauds himself on four people saved I don't, I don't think he thinks of it like nice this week I got four more. I think he I think his it's such a it's such a a profound individual experience that God doesn't look at the overall count. He just looks at this person's heart is it's, this way and I can see that per like it's so no, individual. I, I get it. It's that same It's, uh, it's like that, it's it's I don't know what the words are. So I'm just going to spout. It's the church patting itself in the back and praising itself as, first a, having as a corporation sold the product. for Yeah. Right, here's our here's our sales figures. Yeah. It, it, this if, is, if your product is if your product is this new medical gel that cures all wounds if you apply it, they could care less 
about how and if the gel is used. Mm-hmm. They just care about selling it and telling the peop- their investors, look how much we sold. Yeah. They're all about themselves. I don't see a love for the people that they're supposedly... Yeah. Well, look what we did this week. Our sales just, numbers are off the off the charts. Yeah. No, it's, that's exactly right. I, I think it's an interesting way you put it, though. You think God goes, yeah, four more. He doesn't, I think, he doesn't look at numbers. He's, he's got bigger designs. I'm sure he than, knows it all. Oh, yeah. But, but it's like, like it's, for him, what point it's, is that? That's like... That's like um, going to war, and <laughs> it's treating. This, this, it's is like, bad, this is a bad analogy. You're going to war, you got to fight, and like, we had, we had four casualties. Mm-hmm. Like, so low. That's a bad inverse. It's, it's reducing it's, God to a hungry, s- hungry hippo who just needs more Christians, so he can just he can just bring them in. He's out here. Nom, 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 more people. Bring me more balls. I just I don't know. It just is so. It's not personal at I was all. Say it's impersonal. It's. Was it disingenuous? It's here's here's the things that I think a church has the right to praise themselves over, if they have any right at all. Uh, uh, can, having worked with a person through depression for a decade or whatever, and they haven't conquered it, but they've been with them the whole time. You can, hey, that's something worth working. You know, that's something worth worshiping or worth praising or saving a marriage. That's all but over for all intents and purposes. Um, I don't know. The, the the things that actually nobody would bring up in a church that are like the point of a church, like it's or like, I don't know. I jumped back a bit about how big churches don't work because they're too impersonal. I think it's because church is a body of people, which is a community if you get too big, an extending crowd of a million people, as an example, you don't know anybody. You can only know so many names. And an effective church is one that's small enough to where everybody knows everybody. Maybe. Uh, ideally, maybe I'm wrong, but that's what we're talking about. If you had a group of friends, oh, forget that analogy. Anyway. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I'm trying to save, reconcile the utility of a like 100 people to 500 people church because there's got to be some. Oh, yeah. There's some. I mean, it's a large community. Maybe you talk to strangers every day. Um, and maybe that's the point is you get a generally more topical conversation. doesn't get very, very, it's generally stays kind of superficial, but it's God where it aimed. Maybe that's the utility to see casual godliness in action. I don't know. But that's, but that's the, that isn't, that's the two words together that, that kind of self-conflictory, like, Casual godliness, that's not really a thing that is done casually. Maybe that's... I was going to ask you, yeah. so you're going to make a church. <clears throat> what do you, how are you going to make it? And I thought, well, before I went down this line in my head, if it got too big, how do you solve it? And I realized, oh, I had a church. It was part of a church that did this. As it got to a certain number, a certain big enough, it it split into mm-hmm. another church. Mm-hmm. And I would be like, why, do you, why would you do that? Why would you separate everybody? And I think my dad tries it because that way they can reach more people. I don't know if, that, if that's what he said or what he said. But basically, if it gets too big, nobody knows anybody and you can't be a community anymore. So you can make a new community somewhere else. With If you, if you go from 500 to 1,000, make two 500 group, two 500 person churches. And now you can have two communities. And what that church does is they have four or five campuses now. They started with three mm-hmm. like 10 years ago. And... They all are in contact with one another, and I think they follow the same program, much like you would in a super large church with hundreds of people, but they are just their own little. 
it's kind of like the small group idea mm-hmm. with churches. I like that approach. At least I understand it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the what the solution is, but that is a solution to the problem of yeah, maybe becoming too corporate. I don't know. So it's almost like a franchise within a franchise, though. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think more or less you just described the same thing. Uh, I but I do get it. I mean, it's I I mean you could look at the patterns of nature for helpful hints on how to grow a thing and you know if a thing gets too big it sheds off the extra or it separates entirely you look at cellular regeneration and it once a cell gets too big it just splits into another cell and they just become independent living things that are their own thing so and obviously if that happens in nature it's a it's a repeatable pattern at least it's healthy generally there's there was some I complain about church a lot to the people when I get to talking about, you know, especially people like my mom or dad and, you know, my Christian friends, if they ever ask me, you know, are you doing, what? Are you, how's your walk with God? That's the question, right, you know. And usually, generally I say something along the lines of, hey, it could be way better. And, you know, I, I'd say bad, except for I don't ignore him, per se. All that to say... Uh, who knows what that means? I could get on that, but um, one of the criticisms I get when I talk about church and I complain about it is, you know, it's your responsibility to fix it. If you have all these problems with it, you see it, and maybe you see it accurately, maybe you don't, and you got to figure that out first. But if you have a problem with something and you can substantiate it, then it becomes your duty to fix it. And it's like, yeah, okay, I'll just do that, and it's very that's that's where I get sort of hung up on it. Uh, to some degree, I've thought about this casually before, before quickly rejecting the idea because it is too overwhelming at the time, but start my own church. I've, that thought hasn't, that has not been lost on me. What would that look like? That just look like invite my friends over and talk about God some. <laughs> it's not like I'm in a place of authority, but maybe that's what people, maybe that's what people need. Is you? <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, I know what you mean. I no, I would never do that, but <clears throat> that's because I tend to not like the idea of responsibility ever, which could be a topic topic for another day. Certainly. Speaking of which, another day will probably have to come because it's time for me to eat chicken. If okay. that's okay with you, that's okay. I like talk about. Yeah, I like talk about this. We can call this episode church, church. even though we started on something else. Yeah, sure, whatever. I wish I could have joined. We'll talk. Let's let's try to remember to talk about responsibility next time. Yeah, I'll I'll remember. You remember? I don't know if we'll follow through with it, but I'll remember because that's important, and we're both wrong. (laughs) That spoiler. You don't even have to listen to the next episode. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I forgot I was going to say. I guess wasn't very important. Thank you guys for listening. We will be listened to by you next time. I haven't said any bad words. I don't think this episode so butthole and, and anus juice.